Hello, my wonderful friends, and welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, and this is episode number 47, and we're in part three, which is the final part of our current series, uh, Lies We Believe About God. So this is part three, and episode number 47, and I'm calling it God Expects More of You. So that's the lie we're going to tackle today uh, that God expects more and more and more of you. But before we jump into all of that, I have a few things to share with you. Uh, Number one, this is the week that uh, me and four of my friends are going to Time Out Youth, which is a center in Charlotte that uh, supports LGBTQ youth and their friends, and their families, and their allies. And we are going there this week to serve dinner. And if you've been around for the last, I don't know, month or so, every week I've been announcing this, and I'm inviting you to share some of your money so that we can have uh, a little extra cash to buy the food, because we need to cook uh, the food for these kids and also buy the food. And uh, we've got to cook a regular meal Uh, a gluten-free meal, and a vegetarian meal, and a dessert. And so uh, all of you have very generously given uh, $490. So thank you so much. I was expecting maybe like $150, but you guys really, really stepped up. And uh, thank you. Whatever money's left over, because surely there will be money left over, Uh, We are going to give that as a donation to Time Out Youth, um, and we're going to give them a card with everyone's name in it as well. So super exciting stuff. Uh, Thank you so much. I don't know if we're going to be allowed to take pictures. I don't know how that works, but if if we are, uh, you will see some pictures on the whatifproject.net website in the upcoming weeks for sure. So thank you so much for that. Um, Secondly, uh, Patreon.com slash What If Project is a place where you can go to uh, support the What If Project. So if this thing has encouraged you, if it has challenged you, inspired you, pushed you in your faith, even made you a little mad, sometimes that can be a good thing. Uh, head over there, check it out. There are different levels or tiers um, in which you can give. There's like a $3 tier, I think there's a $10 tier, $20 tier, $30 tier, and every tier has its own reward. Um, and the money that you give for that goes to uh, what I what I call keep the lights on at the What If Project. So kind of pay for all the hosting fees for the website, um, for the podcast, and different things like that. So that's patreon.com slash whatifproject. Um, another thing, I'm just rolling through a few announcements here today. I got, I got a few things to share with you. Uh, but another thing, uh, next week is a new series that we're going to be starting up and I'm excited about it and I'm going to tell you what the series is now and then I'll explain it to you in more detail uh, next week but the series is going to be called Glenn's Friends. So normally what I do is every every month I do like one interview. So I'll interview somebody and usually the first uh, Monday of the month and the interview will go up then the other three Weeks are like solo episodes like this one and all the lies about God uh, episodes have been. Uh, But in July, what I'm going to do is every Monday, there's five Mondays in July, I'm going to post a different interview that I did with somebody. Uh, So no specific uh, topics or anything like that, just whatever 
I wanted to talk to that person about whether it's their book or something that they do in their life or their story or whatever. So I'm excited to share that with you. Uh, we have a really good one on deck for next week, and uh, I'm excited to jump into that. So that's Glenn's friend. That will be for the month of July. Uh, you will not have to hear from me <laughs> as much. Uh, it will be five different people who will be uh, taking us through some some exciting, exciting stuff. And lastly, but not least, uh, What If Project Community is a uh, new Facebook group that I started up. And it's a closed Facebook group, meaning that you can't just join it. You've got a uh, request to join it. You can't see who's in there until you're approved. Um, but basically what this is, is it's a place for people to come together and have a safe place, a place for you to come and to ask questions, to express your doubt, um, to um, talk with other people who are on a spiritual journey trying to figure out um, who they are and who God is and what they believe and all this different kind of stuff. There's no shame. You don't have to be afraid of judgment when you ask a question or you express a doubt or a different kind of belief. Um, everybody's welcome in this thing. And uh, I announced it a, a few weeks ago, and then I kind of went silent with it because I just was like, I don't know if I'm ready to do this yet. So I didn't really say anything about it. Then I logged in there the other day, and there were like three or four requests. So I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just approve them. And then as I approved them, conversation started happening and and here we are so i think there's like 25 people in there now and uh i would love to see you uh in there if you think that would be something that's helpful for you and uh if it is uh invite other people along as well and uh, we'll have a really good time together so i'll put the link in the show notes and also the link will be on my facebook page um, you can go check it out but i think if you just search for uh what if project community uh it will pop up and you can join the fun. So uh, anyway, those are my four things. Uh, time out youth. I have like a list because I was like, I'm not going to remember what I'm supposed to talk about. Uh, I got four things, right? Patreon, uh, time out youth, uh, the community, and Glenn's friends starting up next week. But for now, this is episode number 47. And uh, like I said, I'm calling it God expects more of you. So uh, one of the things I've I've noticed during my time in the uh, evangelical church, is that an underlying underlying belief, and, and sometimes it's like really subtle, and sometimes it's like really obvious and very loud, and uh, very outspoken, is that in order to please God, uh, in order to be a better Christian, in order to uh, grow in your faith, uh, in order to mature as a believer, you need to do more. Like, if you want your finances to be straightened out, tithe more. Uh, you want to grow closer to God, well, read your Bible more. Uh, you want to improve your marriage, you both need to pray more. Uh, you want your kids to change, bring them to church more. You want to feel better about yourself, um, exercise more, right? And you need to do more of these things because God expects you to do more. Like the more you do, the more that God will bless you in various places that you're looking for blessing. Uh, for example, the other day I saw a tweet from a, a pastor who uh, I have a lot of respect for, mind you, and a lot of love for this person. But he said something like, supernatural fruit can't be born without human effort. 
and I've heard other people say it differently that like we need to pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on us. And still, you can't expect God to fill up your, your life if you're not putting in the effort to organize your life and make more room for him and, and for his blessings. These are things that I've heard uh, all throughout my time in the church and even in school um, as well. And I get it, right? Like, like no doubt there are times uh, when the ball is 100% in our court. And so we need to like step up our game, right? And I've gone through seasons of my own life where I've needed to read my Bible more. Uh, I've needed to be more generous with my money. I've needed, I've needed to spend more time in prayer, exercise more, find someone to keep me more accountable in different areas of my life, right? There are definitely those seasons, but, but here's the thing. Just because that's what a particular season of my life might call for, that doesn't mean that that's what God expects of me. Like, just because I might be in a season where I need to pray more or read my Bible more or be more generous or whatever, that doesn't mean that God is a God who has rigged the universe uh, so that problems are fixed and blessings are poured out when we do more and add more things to our plate, right? But, but so often, what do we do, right? We live as if that is true of him. We live as if we serve a God who is weighing our deeds uh, on a scale so that the higher the weight goes on our efforts, the easier he hands out his blessings and answers our prayers. Well, I mean, it looks like Glenn spent more time reading his Bible last month, right? More time in prayer. He gave more money to church, was, was more kind to bad drivers. Hmm. Let's answer that prayer, right? Let's give him that blessing. Because it looks to me like he's maybe finally uh, learning his, his lesson. And if I'm being really honest, I think so often that the church teaches people that this is the way that God operates. Like if you do more of these things, you'll be happier. You'll experience more joy. Your heart will be much lighter and, and God will be more apt to bless you. Because your life will be more open and more room will be made for his blessings. And if I could be really real with you for a moment, uh, I remember back when, when Dane and I were planting our church, um, I, as the pastor, bought into this lie of God expects more of us, like 1,000% uh, bought into it. Uh, looking back on those years, ah, man, I was focused like a madman on the goal of uh, growing our church out of our little garage. Uh, so we had uh, six people that started meeting in a garage. It was a two-car garage. It was old. Um, it was a smelly garage. It was like a garage that was separated from a house. It was like its own standalone place. Super drafty, like cement walls, cement floor, uh, typical old garage. And uh, so we met in there, and we were in there for like, I don't know, it's like a year and a half maybe. And uh, so the goal was to move out of there and into a small storefront in town. And the goal was to get to a place where we could rent out this uh, very local, very popular uh, Italian restaurant and have church there on Sunday mornings before they opened the doors for lunch. And then once the doors opened, we'd be ready to buy pizza 
for the first 20 families or so. And it was a great idea, right? And we were like barreling towards this thing at, at full speed. And although there was nothing wrong with the goal, uh, I think it was actually a super good idea, uh, birthed out of all of the right motives. Uh, I now look back and I, I kind of cringe in how I was pushing uh, our small team of people to achieve uh, that goal. So a few examples of what we did. Uh, I had a Bible reading plan for our core team uh, to read through together. And we had like six people on our core team, plus me and Dana, so eight of us. And the idea was that the more we read our Bible, uh, the more we would hear from God. Because God honors those who spend more time in the scriptures. And in fact, if I'm being really honest, I was so adamant about this that I told people that if they didn't do the reading that was assigned uh, the prior week, to not even bother showing up to that week's meeting. Like, I was really tough on this stuff. Uh, why? Well, I said things like, because I need people who are hearing from God. And if you're not spending time in the Bible trying to hear from Him, then you're wasting everyone's time. Do not bother showing up if you don't do the reading. Uh, I was really tough, and I'm cringing right now as I'm sharing that with you. Uh, but I also told our team that they had a tithe. Like I told them I expected 10%, but I was open. Uh, and I understood people giving whatever they could. Um, I pushed hard on passages from uh, the Old Testament book Malachi and uh, various other uh, verses that I admittingly took out of context uh, to push people to give and to give because I believe that the more people gave, uh, the more God would see our efforts and the more God would bless us for being good stewards, right? So more Bible reading, more tithing, more generosity, more joy. Be more joyful in your life. More prayer. Be on time. Be more on time for every meeting, right? More, 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 more. And, and, and really, if there was a spiritual discipline that I thought would give us a chance at getting on the right side of God or would help us um, clear out some of the stuff in our lives that often keeps us from hearing his voice. Well, I like unashamedly uh, pushed people into it and uh, like held their heads under the surface until they were like drowning in the discipline, uh, almost unable to stay afloat, all in the name of doing more for God so that we could show him how open and ready we were for his blessings. And sometimes, like, I wish I could go back and have a stern talking to with, with Pastor Glenn. Uh, but then, you know, at the same time, I remember that, you know, Pastor Glenn was doing the best he could with what he had. And that allows me to have a strange amount of grace for myself because I wasn't trying to be deceitful, right? I wasn't trying to shame anyone. I wasn't trying to burden anyone. Uh, that kind of theology and understanding of God was really all I knew at that time of my life. And the voices that were in my life at the time uh, told me that I was doing it right. And so I just kept on pushing. Anyways, so I wonder, have you ever experienced this kind of teaching in your life? Uh, in your church, from pastors, Sunday school teachers, parents, all of whom mean well, no doubt, right? But just because they, they meant well, and just because their words and teachings came from a good place... That doesn't make them true or healthy or any less of a lie, right? 
Sure, we can find Bible verse after Bible verse. I'm encouraging people to pray more, give more, spend more time in God's presence, do more, aim to be more. I'm I'm not denying that. And I'm not even denying that giving more, praying more, reading your Bible more, etc. are bad things. Right? Like listen, listen to that again. I'm not denying that giving more, praying more, reading your Bible more are bad things. I'm not or I'm not saying that they're bad things. Right? I'm not, I'm not denying that they can be good things. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. Okay? So so do not send me an email yelling at me. Okay? I won't read it. I'm not saying that those are bad things. What what I am challenging rather is this idea that God has rigged or set up the universe in such a way that the way to becoming a better follower of him or a better human being or the way to be filled with more of the spirit or or see more of his blessings in your life or, or whatever it is that you're hoping for is to constantly aim to ascend higher and higher and higher and higher and higher in various areas of our lives. In short, we've made this thing called Christianity into a religion of ascent. When in reality, Jesus came to show us that following him is not a religion, but a way of life that's marked by descent. Again, following Jesus is not a religion of ascent. It's a way of life that's marked by descent. It's it's not a religion of adding more things to your life. Rather, it's a way of stripping things away. It's not a religion of power, but it's a way of of weakness. It's not a religion of addition, but it's a way of subtraction. It's not a religion of more, it's a, it's a way of less. It's not a religion of going higher, but it's a way of going lower. I, I've talked about it a lot on Facebook uh, these last couple of weeks, but I just finished a book um, by Richard Rohr called The uh, Universal Christ. It, it's his newest book. And he talks about this idea Uh, Very briefly, in the last uh, chapter or so of the book, which is probably why it's been heavy on my mind these these last few days, but I have a quote here that I want to read for you. He says, It is not insignificant that Christians chose the cross as their central symbol. At least unconsciously, we recognized that Jesus talked a lot about losing your life. Perhaps Ken Wilber's distinction between climbing religions and descending religions is helpful here. He and I both trust the descending form of religion much more than the climbing form, and I think Jesus did as well. Here, the primary language is unlearning, letting go, surrendering, serving others, not the language of self-development, which often lurks behind our popular notions of salvation. You see, for a lot of Christians in a lot of churches, uh, salvation and the spiritual life have become like these giant games of self-development or even self-help in some cases. They've become these things where the goal is to climb the ladder of success in the various areas of relationships, finances, health, relationship with God, knowledge of the Bible, theology, so that over the course of a lifetime we can ascend higher and higher and higher and become better and better Christians as we do more and more and more uh, with our lives and get our lives more and more and more together. Again, Nothing wrong with those things, right? Having good relationships are are good. Having a handle on your finances are good. Giving is good. Having a grasp on some kind of theology is good. There's nothing wrong with those things. And the many other areas of spiritual and self-development that we could talk about. Nothing wrong with them. 
unless they become the lens through which we look at the message of Jesus. Causing us then to slap God's name onto our obsession with self-development and growth. And do what essentially I did in our church plan. Uh, Make people believe that climbing higher on these various ladders will somehow uh, create more space or more room for God to pour out his blessings and do what we ask him to do. The ladder and ascending stuff isn't the way of Jesus, really. I mean, it's kind of manipulative. I think it's a false gospel. And dare I say, I think it's I think it's antichrist. Another quote from Rohr, he says, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And although Jesus made this quite clear in his life, we still largely turned Christianity into a religion where the operative agenda was some personal moral perfection or attaining to some kind of salvation, going to heaven, converting others rather than ourselves, and acquiring more health, wealth, and success in the world. He says, in that pursuit, we ended up aligning ourselves with empires, wars, and the colonization of the planet instead of with Jesus or the powerless. So what am I saying? Right? Why am I pressing this thing of more so hard? Am I saying that you should just stop trying to grow? Right? Stop developing yourself. Delete you version off your phone. Stop with the Bible reading plans. Stop tithing to your church. Stop giving. Stop exercising. Sleep in instead of pray. None of it matters. It's all stupid. Right? Am I saying that? If that's what you think I'm saying, you're missing the point entirely. Keep those things. Keep them in your life. If you feel like you need them in this season of your life. But don't do them out of guilt. And don't do them because you think that somehow they're making room in your life for God to pour out more blessings. Blessings that he would be unable to pour out if you weren't doing those things. Like stop adding more things to your life and stop trying to ascend higher on the ladder of spiritual and personal development because you think that God is at the top of the ladder. He's not. In fact, I would argue that he's actually at the bottom of the ladder with the poor in spirit. In his book, uh, Bitten by a Camel, Kent Dobson talks about the ancient city of uh, Megiddo. I think that's how you say it, or maybe it's Megiddo. Uh, But anyway, there's a narrow gate there. He says that literally... Uh, like zigzags toward a very small and narrow entrance. And so legend says uh, that this kind of small gate was called the eye of the needle. Because in order for camels and now semi-trucks to pass through this gate, they need to be stripped of all of their baggage. Uh, The way through the, the narrow gate in the city isn't to add more baggage. Rather, the way through the narrow gate is to add or to take away baggage, to carry less baggage. And so perhaps, perhaps that's why Jesus once said it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, because perhaps the way of Jesus and the way of his kingdom isn't to add more things, but to carry less. And so with all of this stuff in mind, I wonder, what are you carrying in your life that needs to be dropped, that needs to be let go? In what areas do you need to lower yourself? What places need to be cleaned out? Uh, Like the rich man, are there areas in your life that are, are rich and are in need of becoming poor? 
because the places where you've worked so hard to climb and reach the top of the ladder have actually served to make you less humble, less loving, less grace-filled, less inclusive, less like Christ. You see, you'll never enter the life of Jesus by carrying all of your baggage and then like greasing up the sides of your overloaded camel that's filled with all of your uh, spiritual and personal successes that you're immensely proud of and hang on to as a badge of honor, all in the name of squeezing it through the gates. Right? It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. We tend to think of faith as this thing that we've got to load up our camel for the journey. Right? Like we need to get all of our supplies together because we're going to need all of these tools that we can possibly get to become more like God and grow closer to Him. More prayer, more church, more Bible, more Bible studies, more prayer meetings, right? more books, more Christian music, more giving, more tithing, more, 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 more. The more things I can carry, we think, the better off I'll be. Because the more things I'll have in my life to carry the blessings of God that He will surely pour out on me, Now that he sees me doing all these good and wonderful godly things that are sort of like a badge of honor for how much I love him and how serious I am about following him. These things that start out innocent can quickly become not only badges of shame, but badges of pride. Where we shame ourselves and I think we shame others for not doing enough. Or we hold our heads smugly high because we think that we do so much more than everybody else. And so I wonder what spiritual um, life, what spiritual or or maybe life disciplines um, are filling you with shame. Maybe they're filling you with pride. Those are the places where you're rich, like the rich man. And perhaps are in need of becoming poor. So that you can fit yourself through the narrow gate that leads to the way of Jesus. Like what things have you added to your life that are innocent or were innocent and good at first but quickly spiraled into things that make you feel ashamed because you think you're not doing enough or full of pride because you think you're doing so much more than everybody else. Here's the deal. Maybe those things don't need to be cut out of your life forever. or Maybe they do. But maybe you need to create some space away from those things so that they can be put back into their proper perspective at the bottom of the ladder. Maybe you need to climb back down the ladder you've worked so hard to get to the top of and embrace the Christ that you will find there who loves you just the way you are but loves you no more than he loves anyone else. This is episode number 47, uh, lie number three. Uh, God expects more of you. See you next week uh, for part one of Glenn's Friends. Have a great week, guys. Bye-bye.